Let's go. Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans on Demand show, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm so excited because not only do we not have an LO here, we have a real estate agent that's going to teach you exactly how you can get in the driver's seat. Well, maybe not, but at least help you get more relationships with real estate agents and kind of give you that perspective from the real estate agent side. So I'm super excited today to have the net. Wood here, she's a luxury home specialist out of New Mexico, and she was a former loan officer and mortgage broker. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me today. And you know what? I want to help flip the status quo and, and help loan officers you know, work better with realtors and vice versa. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And so real quick, I, I know you you already watched a, a couple of our episodes here. And so you know that I love, I'm a sucker for sort of the come up story. Talk a little bit about what that looked like for you. Um, you know, I know you're a successful real estate agent now, uh, dealing with luxury homes there right now in New Mexico, but the journey didn't always start there. So, so talk a little bit about, you know, your journey through being a loan officer, mortgage broker, all that stuff, and kind of where you're at today, right? It looks glamorous from the outside, right? But the story started, I was a professional musician, and I was working in music publishing in Nashville, Tennessee. Loved my career. Great, was wonderful. And then I had a life change. I got a divorce, and I had a couple of little kids, and I decided to move back to New Mexico, where I had, you know, a village to help me, you know, raise my family. So I was broke. <laughs> I was heartbroken and I needed to recreate myself. So your back's against the wall. And I had, and I said, I need a career to create the life that I want. And that's really how I've always looked at life of creating a career for the lifestyle I want. And I spoke with a lot of my friends and professional people I'd known for a long time, and they knew my background. I like people. I'm always business oriented. And so after really talking to a lot of people, two things kept coming up, real estate and mortgage. Well, I was a single mom. And so the real estate at the time, I thought, you know, I can't go out at night and on the weekends, I'm a single mom. So honestly, loan officer was the perfect career for me that I created myself. And it gave me all of those things, it gave me time to be with my kids and gave me unlimited income. I liked the people changed every day, right? It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I started. But so everybody says, you know, okay, great. Be a loan officer. So I went on two job interviews <laughs> and they would not hire me. <laughs> they wanted me to go into marketing. I was like, no, I don't want to do marketing. I want to be uh -huh. a loan officer. I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. So after the second time, I was really kind of insulted. And I said, well, I'm going to do it myself. So what a push up, right? I, I took out a business loan. I had some really good mentors who were loan officers in the wholesale at that time, you know, and, and, um, and they really helped me create my own business. I was a broker, had 10 people working with me. We did VA, FHA, conventional. But this was the time before the recession when if you had a heartbeat and a <laughs> thumbprint, you were going to get a loan, which obviously sure. we see was a little bit dangerous back in uh, about 2008. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Just a little well, that's bit. how I started with doing that. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of like processes, like how do you get business? 
how do you prospect for business? And that's something, you know, you still work on today. So I, there was a company called Buy Referral Only. I don't know if they're still around, but it really resonated with me of really trying to bring value to my customers, people who know me, like me, trust me, of bringing them value so that they would refer somebody to me. And that's how I started my career path. Man, I, lo- I love that. And, and tell me real quick, like she so said, you got turned down by two people. Is this were you just getting started? You just got your license or you're just kind of brand new and they were wanting you to have experience or, or what was the reason why they kind of turned you down there? Do you know? Like all of those reasons. I had zero experience okay. in lending. Okay. We didn't have to have a license back then, sure. but you know, I was willing, I was, you know, they're like, no, you need experience. And so they said, no, as an entrepreneur myself, I think it's more important that somebody has the drive you can teach them how to do the job. And so that's what I had. I had drive. I was willing to work hard. I studied at night, blah, blah, blah. But um, I didn't have the experience. So yeah, they wouldn't hire me. Can you imagine? Sure, sure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, that, that's the that's the catch-22. I mean, a lot of kids coming out of high school and college find that same thing of like, well, you need X amount of experience. We can't hire you without this. But So it's like, there's, there's a catch-22. Like, what do you do to get the experience if they won't hire you without the experience, right? So there is definitely that catch-22 that comes there. But I think as well, I mean, I think most mortgage companies are unwilling to train new people. Not to say that all of them are, but most mortgage companies are unwilling to train new people. And so they are looking for people that have the experience, things like that. So incredible that you went out, started your own business and just did it anyway. Talk a little bit about that because to me, that's probably one of the most exciting things. Obviously, as an entrepreneur myself, I built a business from scratch uh, and it's it's a crazy journey. It's not easy. Um, So talk about that a little bit and then we can transition into kind of how you moved over to the real estate side and then some strategies and tips on, on how loan officers can go find more business. Well, like any new entrepreneur, it was really long days, right? Early, I mean, 16-hour days. A, I had to um, put the processes in. I had to get all the licensing and all of that. So it was, it was hard. It was really mm-hmm. hard. But I also hired some good people. So we had, you know, several loan officers and a really good processor. And it was, it was just that same thing. I would meet people, and if they had the drive and they were smart, they had some kind of business background. And it was generally by word of mouth. I would tell people, I'm looking for somebody who's got a dynamic personality, who likes people, um, and who, you know, wants to make money. It was commission based, so that was hard. And sure. um, I would say, you know, the most important thing that a loan officer has is their Rolodex. You know, we don't call it a Rolodex now, thank God. Right. You know, CRM, <laughs> but your CRM, I and mean, I still call it a Rolodex. Your Rolodex is your goldmine. It's right. the people that you know. And now we have so many opportunities to interface with people, right? Your Facebook, social media, all the social media. But back then, you know, it was getting on the phone and being involved in activities. And uh, I think one of the things that helped me get successful early was that I positioned myself as an expert in my area. I didn't have time to wait 20 years to become an expert. I needed to be an expert. And so I tried to really um, specialize in a couple of different areas. And I did self-employed. That was one of my specialties. It also sort of paralleled who my sphere of influence is. I have a lot of entrepreneurs who are my friends. And so I got really good 
at analyzing those tax returns because I wanted to be in that higher network, you know, jumbo loan area. That's really where I wanted to be. Sure. And so that's, I, I really started specializing. And I think when you specialize, you get a, you know, you get a reputation. You're not just everything to everybody. You're an expert at X. Sure, sure. And I, and I think one of the biggest fears that people have around niching down, like you said, is they, they're worried that that's going to exclude everybody else from from that marketing. And I would, I would assume that like, I mean, I know you do luxury stuff, but I'm sure you probably pick up some $350,000 homes here and there, or do you hand those off and let someone else do those? Well, you still I'm really- get those deals? Yeah, I really am vertically oriented with my customer. So my customer okay. might buy a one or two million dollar home, but their kid is selling their you know or buying a first time home buyer house. So I sure. I'm going to support that that um, client or that family, and then they're going to go. They want to buy um, a couple of income generating single family homes. So. I really am fortunate and I'm so thankful that I was a loan officer because I can talk and be part of the team with a loan officer. Just the other day, the septic failed on a house. Well, you can't get a loan if the septic <laughs> tank is not working. Yeah. But yeah. you know, a lot of realtors don't know that. So we gotta we gotta deal with it before closing, not after. Sure. I think that a lot of loan officers don't educate the realtors because now everything's moving so fast, truly. Sure, sure. But when I would when I used to sit across the table from that client and I say, you know, Luke, I see you, you know, you want to buy a first time home, but but tell me overall, where do you see yourself in five years? I almost look at it as a financial planning. I'm part of the team. Do you have an accountant? Do you have a CPA? Do you have a realtor? Do you have a a lawyer? We're part of the team. You, the client, might be the quarterback, but we're all the team. And so we, I did a lot of education um, when I was sitting with that person. And when you do that education, when you get to know them, you're also getting to ask them questions. Oh, your parents are thinking about moving here in a couple of years. Oh, that's great. Now I got to write that down, that something's going to be changing in your life. And now I want to help your parents, right? So it's it's taking the time to ask the questions with that customer not just making them a transaction. I love that uh, thought process because I mean, I mean, just kind of going back to you, you know, we, we talked about a niche, right? But they might refer you to someone that might not fall within your niche. Just because you niche down doesn't mean you're not going to get those other loans. Like like on, on the loan side, right? If you're the VA guy, it doesn't mean you're not going to get someone that's FHA. You're not going to get someone that might be a second home, things like that. But like you've proven that you are the VA guy and you're really good at VA. So you are going to get those loans and you're probably going to get those extra loans as well. So again, just to kind of go back to that point. Um, and just to like hit on, you talked about Rolodex, uh, SOI, sphere of influence, right? I think, and we were talking about this a little bit off uh, off script here before we started the show here, but one of the things you talked about is, is real estate agents do a really good job of managing their, their sphere of influence and loan officers not as much, right? So, so talk a little bit about how can a loan officer apply some of these principles that real estate agents seem to just kind of get right out the gate? I don't know, maybe they're taught something differently, but tell, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, I thought that was a pretty cool concept of you know really just working your SOI, your sphere of influence really well. I think successful realtors work their SOI, right? Because you're not taught, you get out of real estate school and you're like, go knock on doors. I mean, how do you go? But but it's the same for a loan officer. There's no reason that a loan officer has got to be sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring. No, you're going to do the same thing that a realtor does is who is in my sphere of influence and you're going to rank them. Like my A people, they, you know, they, they're always sending me business, the B people and you call them and you talk to them and you're, 
and you're, you know, asking them, you know, how are the kids doing in school or, you know, how's Bill feeling? Is everybody okay? And, you know, uh, from Omicron, there are opportunities that you could look at on a monthly basis to give yourself a reason to call your sphere of influence. And then in those conversations, you'll find that they may know somebody that's looking for a house. I will not show a property unless somebody is pre-approved, especially today, right? I'm not going to waste my time. So if 99% of the time they don't have a loan officer or they forgot or nobody, nobody's ever kept in touch with them. You think, well, I did their loan. When are they going to get another loan? I'm telling you, they're going to get another loan. It, you know, it used to be like seven years. It's probably going to be two or three where they're looking at refinancing or I don't know, adding on or buying, buying an investment home. So the, really, the, the take home is I don't think a lot of loan officers call, touch base, bring value to their whole sphere of influence, which includes their past clients. They don't do a great job of that. And whenever you, if they can get, if, you know, if a loan officer can get some training on how do I do a better job of keeping in touch, um, you know, whether it's Outlook or whatever program you want to use figure out how to use it, put those to-dos on there, follow up and, and massage it because the business yeah. is there. Yeah. Use a CRM, right? Right. Just, I mean, you, you, there's, there's plenty of options there to remind you to, to follow up with people. And I think, um, like you mentioned, right, the, the people that understand, understand they can build, I mean, referrals, right? Like I'm, I'm a marketer and I'm a big proponent of, of, of using marketing as an, another tool, but referrals are, are, you know, let's just be honest, the best way to get leads, right? I mean, you already have the borrowed trust from someone else. You don't have to t- sell them on all on why they should use you. It's just, Hey, someone's already done that for you. You just got to turn around and, and do the business and do the job. Um, but that being said, like there's, there's ways that, and, and I think, uh, five to seven lifetime transactions for the average homeowner, right? So like, yeah, you do one loan. How can you figure out a way to capture the next four or five, six loans? I don't know how many they're going to get. Maybe it's even two loans. Maybe it's one more loan. Who cares? You get one more transaction out of one deal. That's that's all that matters, right? And so I think there's massive, massive value there uh, in staying in contact with your, with your SOI, your sphere of influence. And that person that you did the loan for, they could refer you to their sphere of influence. So how do you capture, how do you keep in front of them? You know, you can only talk about, you know, the market or whatever so often, but there's anniversary of their loan, there's birthday, there's kids events, there's all kinds of events throughout the year that if you really care and, and you should, right, it has to come from a point of, I want to be helpful. I want to engage right. and I want to say hi to you. And, you know, I do note cards all week long. Friend of mine was sick. Get well. Client of mine uh, had a birthday, sent flowers. And then all of a sudden, now you've got more reason to talk to them. Graduation's coming up. Who do you know that's graduating from high school? Take that opportunity. You know, the change is coming. I'm going to be an empty nester. If I was really smart, I'd be marketing to all <laughs> parents that have seniors in high school thinking right. of downsizing. Well, maybe not yep. so overtly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they might start crying like, on you. I don't know. <laughs> Are you crying too? <laughs> anyway, there's all kinds of reasons to get back in touch with those people. They don't just go away unless you let them fall off. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So if you're a loan officer, follow up with your sphere of influence. But I wanted to, to switch gears a little bit and pick your brain a little bit as a loan, sorry, as a real estate agent that has a background as a loan officer. Tell us a little bit about, and I'm sure there's loan officers that are going to be listening to this that, that have these same questions, but talk to me a little bit about like, what would a what would stand out to you if a loan officer were to pitch you? Like, or, or how does a loan officer stand out from everybody else that's, that's calling you on Mondays and, you know, telling you how great they are? Is that a hard question? No. Uh, you know, one of the things I did, um, 
um, when I was a loan officer, I put together some um, educational workshops for basically financial, um, you know, well-being, how to create a budget 101. So I created this little class. I actually taught it a few times. I, I had a networking person and she was a financial planner, you know, like uh, with, a, with a big company. And I was the loan sure. officer. And it and we actually geared this toward women because uh, we were a women's networking group. And we had these sure. workshops and we basically taught financial literacy. That financial literacy class was so wonderful for for a lot of reasons. Those people came out in better shape because they had financial, a little financial planning. I was able to network. And then I was able to take those people and introduce them to my realtor. So what can you do with a realtor besides sit and wait for the realtor to call? Well, if you're if the loan officer is working on their sphere of influence, bringing value, asking those questions, and then they get a call and say, hey, Danette, I was just talking to, you know, one of my previous clients and they're, they're now they're going to be downsizing. So I'm going to get them pre-qualified. It would be great if you could work with them. So it's a reciprocating relationship. It's not just one way. And what I really find the missing element with a lot of loan officers right now is it's not a short game. I know it may be hurried right now because we're under a lot of stress and you got to get it out right now, but it's really a long game. It's a long game because you have a, a relationship with the realtor. You have a relationship with the appraiser, all the vendors that go into this transaction. That's your long game. The right. little short game is just plugging in the numbers and getting this loan to the finish line, that's just the work. But the relationship really needs to be nurtured. So yeah, what I, can I, they I do that. for me? I mean, you know, maybe like uh, I need to be educated. I'm out of the loop. I don't know what the FHA lo- loan limits are. And I know that VA is, you know, because I don't have time. I need that loan officer to maybe not send me a, a monthly email all the time because I don't really have. But if they talk to me and say, hey, where's your business now? And let me tell you a couple of tips. That would be a reason to call me and bring me something of value. What is a jumbo loan right now? I don't know. Now now all the people are going to be calling me. (laughs) I know, right? I know. All the New Mexico loan officers are like, hey, what's up, Danette? How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) But right, like when's the last time you called the realtor and just said, hey, I'd like to give you a little piece of, of value. I think that would be great. And then somehow that business, right, it triggers more business top of mind. But what I see this hustle and just got to get it done. And Hey, I I'm the top producer. You can tell me they're top producer, like once a year. Otherwise I need more. I like that. Tell me a little bit about like, uh, what would you say is more like, what, what do you want outside of the traditional stuff? I mean, cause I, I think too often, um, branch managers or people are like, go out and find realtors. Right. And what they do is just say, go call them. Right. Like, they don't tell you what to do, what to say. So typically what ends up happening is loan officers go out and they recite their job description, right? They say they have good turn times, they're good rates, and they answer the phone, right? So it's like, okay, cool. So you just basically told me exactly what every loan officer should be doing. Um, so how are you different or how can you help me out? And so for you, what would be something like, how can loan officers stand out for you? I mean, you, you've kind of already mentioned some things, but like for you specifically, what would be something that would make you um, want to work with a loan officer or want to at least talk to a loan officer, right? Because I think that's the first step is you get in and actually want to talk with you, right? Like you want to have a conversation with them. I'm going to go back to that expertise a little bit because okay. I think that makes makes it stand out. Like I have, I have created this um, expertise for myself um, and all of that loan information is kind of in there too. So I'm doing non-owner occupied, 
jumbo. Um, and so if somebody is kind of in harmony with my business, I think that would be good. If somebody is an FHA first-time homebuyer specialist, I think that's the niche that loan officers goes after with those realtors. Because those are like VA. We have, you're, you know, you're in San Diego, there's a uh, a lot of military, right? right we have right. Kirtland Air Force Base here. Somebody was uh, asking me if I would um, do a VA deal not too long ago. And I honestly said, I referred it out. I said, look, I am not a VA specialist. I'm not a military specialist. There are certain, you know, websites and relocation and all these little things right. that go with VA. I'm doing a disservice to that client if I am not cutting edge in that area. So if somebody's doing VA and that realtor does a lot of VA, I think that's a that's like a perfect partnership, right? Sure, sure. That's that's awesome. So I mean, it's, so it sounds like part of it is like. Loan officers, do your research on who you're prospecting and like know what kind of business they do so that you can give value. And, and, and I think that comes down to, we've had, interestingly enough, we've had a couple conversations over the last couple episodes that, we, that I've done and haven't even been released yet that talks a little bit about loan officers listening to real estate agents, right? Like, uh, and one of the stories that, that has been brought up is that there was this guy, a loan officer that went and talked to a real estate agent. Um, she actually reached out to him and he's like, oh yeah, we can close in 14 days and we can do this and we can do that. And she's like, that's actually a little stressful. Like, I don't want to be closing in 14 days. Like, I just want to know that you're going to close on time. And he never got a deal from her, right? Because he wasn't, he was pitching her a bunch of stuff that she didn't really care about, right? Like, and so um, I, just to kind of go back to that, like, I mean, that's basically what you're saying in another way, right? Like learn a little bit about me before you come pitching me on how great your FHA loans are, because I mean- for someone that does luxury, I'm sure you're not doing too many FHA loans, right? Right, exactly. Or, you know, my clientele, I deal with the self-employed trusts. I got, you know, my people are are hard to reach, very cryptic. And so listening to the business that realtor does and really, and then reacting accordingly, just like if you're FHA and it's a first time home buyer and, you know, we're tight on money, we need to all be educating that buyer not to go out and buy a new motorcycle before you close. That happened right. one time. I, I found the perfect motorcycle. Don't buy it yet. And so when you have, I think that, um, you know, that chemistry, if you will, of the loan officer really listening to the realtor and how can I, how can I be of service? Then you're going to gear your conversations, et cetera, that way. And, okay. and then I know that you're not going to drop the ball. That's, uh, that's really the most important part, right? I've got to trust you not to drop the ball because I've put in a lot of work sure. and, you know, I, I hear LOs say, well, you make a lot more money than I do. I was on the other side too, you know, but I spend a lot more time in this process with this client. Like I might have this client for four, five months. You might have this client for a very short time, but in that short time, you're looking at, you're looking at intimate stuff. You're looking at their finances, mm -hmm. you know, their bills, their checking account. You, you have an opportunity to develop, to develop a relationship with that client as well as the realtor along the way and being kind to each other, right? Thanking you for doing a great job. Right. It goes a long way, both ways. What, and, and I know you just said it, but like, what is the number one most important thing for you in working with a real estate or sorry, with a loan officer? The number one thing, I think the number one thing is you've got to be really good at your job. I cannot work with a brand new loan officer and teach you what to do. So I'm an expert at what I do. You need to be an expert at what you do. And if you're not an expert yet, then educate yourself, 
to be that expert. Like I, when I first started, right, I couldn't be great at everything. I didn't have 20 years under my belt. So I pick one and be great at it. If you, you know, if you're a, if you're a, you know, an FHA specialist and somebody says, Hey, I've got a VA, well, partner with somebody to help you get a mentor, uh, you know, refer it out, but always better yourself. I'm, I'm always in master classes. I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm always trying to be better at what I do. And I expect that of, of my LO too. I love that. I love that. I think I think that's one of the, the most important things because as we kind of come into this, you know, social media age, things like that, there's a lot of talk of, you know, giving leads back to real estate agents. Even for myself, I'm a marketer, right? Like one of our whole pitches, even this whole podcast is around how do you flip the status quo on real estate agents, right? How do you give back more value? How do you give them more deals? How do you generate leads for yourself and hand them off? But at the end of the day, the thing that matters the most, and, and I try to get this through our clients head, I try to get it through loan officers head, is like you have to be good at your job first. Like you can't do all these other things. It doesn't matter how many leads you get. A, loan, a real estate agent, how many loans you send them. If you can't close their other stuff, they're not going to send you business, regardless of how much more money you make them because you're losing the money on the, on the other side, right? So that is the most important piece. Like you have to be good at your craft and then you can start to do these other things. Like, oh, hey, you know what? I'm going to cl- host this class on how to, you know, how to run Facebook ads, right? So you want to you be there? Cool. But you have to be a good loan officer first. Um, mm-hmm. So I, lo- I love that you mentioned that because I do think that's important. I think people try to skip that piece and if they want to be the marketer or the whatever and the, the, this, and it's like, okay, but you have to close it, you know? And it's not easy, right? I mean, there is a certain amount of actual work that goes into and getting that application, verifying it's all there, you know, and, and you got the hair, the hair that comes up in the middle, <laughs> fixing the, you know, the fires, putting out the fires and, and figuring out a way. The other thing I think is super important for a loan officer is figure out away. I am successful because I am going to achieve my goal. If I can't do it through door A, I'm going to go to door B and door C. So I had a deal with a national, they were a veteran uh, guy and he was going to get a VA loan from a big national company. They would not send the appraiser. The appraiser didn't come. The appraiser didn't come. We're looking at closing and it's just, it's getting ready, but you can't get anybody on the phone because it's this huge company that drives me insane. No customer service because you've got to be able to talk to somebody. So when I ask a client, you know, who are you working with, with your loan officer, I highly re- recommend um, local people because I have a relationship, right? Where's the appraisal, Luke? Oh my God, let, let me get somebody over there. Right. So what happened was it was going to be this whole nightmare where we weren't going to be able to close. And, you know, it's such a, a crazy market. So we had a grant, we put grandma on the line, on the uh, contract and they paid cash. Now that loan officer who we don't even know at this huge company lost a deal, but we right. paid cash. Well, and who knows that guy? That, and who knows if that guy was just getting paid? You know, I don't know how big of a, a guy that was. If it's like a quick end or something like that, they're getting paid like you know five hundred bucks a file or something like that. So they don't care. They're like, whatever. I'll move on to the next the next deal, right? So, and I know a lot of those big you know big conglomerates that are consumer direct. That's just how they do. Like you know, they don't get paid a ton per file, so they just they just churn them. They're like, whatever. I don't care if they're not a, a, a lay down or they're not easy. I'm just going to move on. Um, and as a, a good yeah. loan officer, should be able to, to stop that. So so I do agree. Um, where you work 
effort matters as well. And you just mentioned it, right? You know, despite how good of a loan officer you are, there is some 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 companies that have a bad a bad rep as well in, in the community. So you know, you could be losing it just because of the company you work for. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of those things to, to think about uh, as a loan officer. But kind of just to, to sort of wrap things up a little bit here. But so, is there anything, or, or what would a what would a loan officer have to do? to to stand out from everyone else. Is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head that would make someone stand out above anything else? Flowers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now I'm going to get a lot I'll of send flowers heart. everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> um so I think creating something of value. I, truly nobody ever calls me. No one, huh? I, I might get I'm <laughs> no, it's like I'm not going to get flowers and calls. Uh, right. Nobody ever calls and says, "What do you need?" Maybe I do need some stuff. Maybe, Maybe I would like to send out some information. And in my monthly newsletter, I would definitely highlight a loan officer that I've worked with, right? Or give them a testimonial. And it can work both ways. Like I'd be a testimonial for a loan officer if they asked. I've never been asked. I've never been asked. I've never been asked, like, what can I do for you? So I gave you some elements today. I'd like to know about you know, jumbo loans now, um, creative things, um, like, are we doing, you know, 80, 10, tens now, or, you know, what kind of flexibility can I, can I put in my tool belt, but, but nobody ever calls me. Interesting. I was, uh, I was just talking to a, a buddy of mine who was just saying, Oh yeah, I'm just making calls right now. And he's basically said, they just, they just created some sort of new, it's like a down payment assistance. Pro- no, it was a, um, it was like a program where it's just as good as cash. Right. So it's like they do a TBD, but then they also have some sort of like weird guarantee thing in it. He's like, man, I'm calling all my real estate agents and I'm doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's huge, right? Like you're just saying, Hey, find something of value that you can, that you can give someone. Um, and, and that's way you stand out that way. You're not saying the same thing over and over again, but it, it honestly kind of surprised surprises me. I mean, everybody always jokes about the whole like, you know, 40 realtors. Yeah, everybody's calling 40 realtors on, on Mondays, but it sounds like it's not happening as much as it as uh, it should be happening. <laughs> so cold calling still I think still they're works, busy, guys. right? Everybody's yeah. busy and, and we're not, you know, we're not going to lunch and all that. But if somebody is A, good at their job and a loan officer says, you know, there's this topic that I would really like to share. I'm doing, I'm going to, I'm going to do a Zoom I'm going to do a Zoom thing, you know, Friday at three, since we can't meet. And and here's the topic if you want to join in. I, sure. I You know, if it was short, like 15 minutes, I might watch them. Or I have my own um, YouTube channel where I've created those little nuggets of information and I repurpose them all the time. I have one, it's uh, why online values are wrong in New Mexico. It's because we're a non-disclosure state. And I'll repurpose that and send it to a lot of different ways. Maybe somebody could do that too, right? Is you make a little video, you're hosting it on your Google, uh, on your YouTube channel, but it's exactly what I need. Hey, do you know what you know today's uh, rates are or loan limits? And I would find that a value. Love it, love it. Cutting I mean, edge I'm- stuff. Yeah, just you know, just simple, simple stuff. Just gotta, just gotta bring value. Find little ways to to give something that's not the typical thing. And I think probably a lot of times, uh, this 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 concept of the curse of knowledge, right? I think too many times, uh, real estate agents, loan officers, all of us, we all have this problem, right? We think that other people know what we know because we know it, right? So like for me, marketing, right? Like I just assume like some of the the principles of marketing are like 
duh. But then like, I see other people, like these gurus teaching things. That I'm like, that's like it's dumb. It's just so rudimentary. But like when, when it comes to it, like everybody is starting at once, you know, not everybody's starting at the same spot. Right. So loan, real estate agents don't see guidelines every single day. They don't know what the VA guidelines yeah. and FHA guidelines and jumbo guidelines and these, these 42 other programs that are these little discrete programs that you can do. And you know, the, the 20 different down payment assistance programs, there are state specific and region specific yeah. and city specific. And so, yeah, there's a lot of options there. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what realtors or loan officers or realtors really want, real estate agents really want is, am I going to close my loan on time or my deal on time? And are we going to close, are we going to close deals? Right? Am I going to make more money? Uh, I think one of the biggest issues uh, that people do is things like giving leads out and things like that. It's like, it sounds good. It sounds like a thing of value, but you can actually burn relationships by not setting good expectations, by saying weird things. Um, so you do have to be careful with, uh, you know, doing things that, that, you know, may, may or may not turn into more money or more opportunities. But real quick, last sort of thread I'm going to pull on here is you talked about you're always in masterminds or master classes and listening to podcasts. I'm big on mindset. I'm big on uh, personal development. Let's touch on that for a brief second. Just talk a little bit about, you know, why do you choose to invest in uh, personal development? I'd love to hear your story, your side. Mindset is so critical, you know, to, for me, keeping goals in front of myself is like a map of where I want to go. I have a vision board over here. I have a, a Monday morning meeting with myself every Monday. I have a business coach. I listen to all these things to keep me on track. It is so easy to get off track. You know, I could I could think of a hundred things that I could do today. But for me, when I when I'm focused and I have um, a class to attend, I'm going to learn something. I put it in my tool belt. I also get to network with more people who might send me business and become friends. So networking is really part of master classes too. You get to know other people and you learn from them and and you get better at your job. So for me, personal development has made me a lot of money. And so it equates to the more that I learn, the more money I make. And yeah, master I mean, classes are great. It's like, you know, a master class is kind of like a, a mini MBA, right? Or even a podcast. It's like going to a class in a nutshell. It's just fantastic how much you can learn in such a short amount of time. When the pandemic hit, so I'm in New Mexico and, and we follow the West Coast. So when things are happening in San Diego and, and in California, I know the tsunami is coming my way. I've just got a little <laughs> bit of time. So when the pandemic got an extra hit, week or two. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people were shutting down in New York and California. Those masterminds were just great. I mean, we were just saying, how are we going to adapt and get through this? You know. Sure. How do you show a house on your phone, right? So I really, I really find them to be critically important in my business in order to be on the cutting edge, to see what's happening in other markets, and to raise my bar to be better. And so the better I am always equates to the more money I make. Oh, man. I mean, I love in myself. <laughs> I love that so much just because I think so many times people forget, right? That even, even like I've invested a couple hundred thousand over the last couple of years in, in personal development between coaches and courses and between business development and personal development. I mean, it's all kind of the same thing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to one thing. We're working on ourselves and the more we work on ourselves, the better we can get, which means we can have a better business. We can have a better marriage. We can have a better life. We can have a better relationships. All those things all stem off that same thing. And that's coming from someone who four or five years ago, well, before I started, into entrepreneurship. I was toxic. I thought 
Tony Robbins was a snake oil salesman. Uh, I was super negative all the time. I, you know, like it's like mindset transformed my life. Like the, the change in the way I, pers- you know, just looked at life and things like that completely transformed my life. And so like, to me, I, I scream it from the rooftops because like, it's just so powerful. Like, so you can literally achieve anything that you want in life as long as you commit and, and, and do the work. Right. And I think- And work hard, right. Like, yeah, you got to work. You got to do it, right? There's there's the, the whole side of the personal development movement that's a little woo, right? Oh, just, you know, just think about it and you'll get it, right? But no, yeah, you got to think about it and you got to do it, right? You got to actually do the work. Um, but you talked about that, right? I am investing in myself. And so many times people don't want to do that. They don't want to invest. Like, oh, I can find it for free on YouTube or whatever. And, and while that's all technically true, like, you're not going to pay as much attention. You also don't know how true those things are, right? Like, you know, how do you get the whole entire picture versus like, all right, 30 different people's picture of what, what is the right way to do something. Okay. Well, why don't we just get one person's perspective on, uh, on that? Right. And, and I do think that it's, it's vital um, to invest in yourself. Uh, and you talked about environment doing this is not easy, right? Starting a business is not easy being an entrepreneur. Cause that's really what loan officers on real estate agents are, right? Like you're a business within a business. If you're not a broker, you're still business within a business, right? You still I'm a have solopreneur. To, yeah. Right. And that's what, I mean, even W2, loan officers. I mean, no one's just giving you business. And if they are, then yeah, you're getting paid a salary and you're getting paid commission, right? But most most loan officers aren't. And so you are, you have to treat your business yourself as a business. You are a business and you invest mm-hmm. in your business and you want to grow your business. Um, and, and so many times this business is lonely. And so I think one of the things to me, being in these masterminds is why I'm still an entrepreneur. Because like, if I were to do this in isolation, my goodness, this is hard. Like starting a business is hard. Doing these things is hard. <laughs> and to do it by yourself with no guidance, no support, no people that are dealing with the same stuff you're dealing with us. Yeah, I don't know how I do it. I don't know about you, but I couldn't do it. So. And you learn to be, you know, I, I like to go to mastermind classes of and find out what people are doing differently than me. Maybe it's better. Maybe they've found a more efficient way to do something or, you know, a better software program to do X or, or Y. So, you know, it really changed for me when I decided that I am a business is not a hobby. It's not a job. It's really a business. And when you treat yourself as a business, whether you're a loan officer working for another company, it doesn't matter. You are still a business. And so being accountable to yourself, like what, how many loans do I want to close this month? How many calls am I going to have to make? You know, breaking it down when you really break it down for me, it's really, it's easier. If I know, if I need to make 10 calls today, then by God, I better get that out of the way and figure out how to do it because then I can do all these other things afterwards. But being disciplined, you know, it's not easy for me. I'm really, you know, an artist probably at heart. So investing in those master classes and having a coach keeps me drilled down into the program. It's written down and then I get to check it off the box. And then when I check it off the box, I feel good about myself and I have confidence. Confidence grows confidence. That's the other reason to go to master classes and go to these events is because you're going to be around life, blood, yep. you know, excitement. And, and you're going to come back all gizzed up and maybe with a couple of ideas to implement and follow through with to grow your business. Love that. Uh, man, that's that's uh, incredible because yeah, at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? I mean, we are we are in business for ourselves. It's a hard, hard road. And in, I mean, again, just kind of going back to, there were certain people in my life, in my journey, mentors, coaches, uh, colleagues, people in the same sort of situation. Sometimes they had they had belief when I didn't have belief, 
right? They didn't have it. And so, and I, and I, I actually work with some of these people now, like I even one of our, our uh, my number two employee, like she told me four or five years ago, like, you're going to have a, you're going to, you're going to be super successful. You're going to do this. I'm just like, no way. Like there's no, like you're crazy. That's, that's way. And then just to see it manifest and to look back and see like, wow, uh, it, it's a crazy journey. So yeah, thank you so much uh, for being here, for sharing your thoughts around, you know, how loan officers can go out and find more business and, and get it from real estate agents. So is there one thing, one thing that a loan officer could do today to go out and get business? What would you say is, is, a, is a good way to, to go out there today? Just, just get any sort of business anywhere. Look at the clients that you had in the last 12 months and call them. Call every one of those clients that you've had in the last 12 months and say, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. Just calling to say, how are you doing? And mean it, you know, do it with a caring. I just want to see how your loan's working out. How do you like the house? How's the neighborhood? Ask a few questions, make a little script for yourself. And then I think just doing that activity is going to create something else. I love that. And are you saying to ask for business? You're just saying literally just check in, no. genuinely care, and then check out and we're done. Because I just want to really, be clear here because yeah. I think sometimes people might think, well, then what do I say or how do I do? Just genuinely care. And you know, you know, it's like, if you want a script, it's like, it's been almost two years that we've had COVID in our lives. And I, I just wanted to check in with you guys and to see how, how you are. You're not asking for business. But if you're going to regularly call these people and and you might even say, you know, if you don't know already, say, I'm going through your file. And there was a couple of little pieces that I missed. I don't have your birthday. When is your birthday? There's a question right there. Now you can send them a card for their birthday, right? Or call them on their birthday. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. It is amazing how many people actually like to get a call on their birthday. You know what? I just see it's your birthday, especially if you don't have a chance to talk to them very long. They're like, wow. They called me. They took time to they call care. me on my birthday. People care. People care. People know. It's it's just uh well, it's it's a reason why the, probably the most powerful words in the English language are your name and the word you because people are very egocentric, right? People care about themselves. What's in it for me, right? So the fact that you called them and said happy birthday, you're kind of a stranger, right? You're a trusted stranger. I mean, you're not a stranger yeah. stranger, but like you're not homies. I mean, maybe you are with some of them, but um, you're probably not like best friends with every single one of your clients. Um, and so, but, but that still being said, like that makes you stand out from everyone. It makes else. you stand out. And then during that conversation, you're not asking for business. You genuinely, genuinely care. Calling to wish you a happy birthday. How is everything? They're going to tell you how their life is and you're going to listen, you know, whatever happens and you're going to write it down and then ask them a question. Is there anything I can do? You know, you need a landscaper. I've got a landscaper. I'll give you his name. There's, they will share with you what's going on in their life. And then they will probably say, well, how are you, Luke? What's been going on? The worst thing to say is, oh my God, I've been so busy. No, it's, you know, work is great and fulfilling. It's still a strong market. It's been a great year. They're going to ask you a question. Don't shut them down. Be open. I'm getting married. What do you know? Whatever it is, we're having a family and, and you're creating a connection with another human being. You're not asking for something from them. Well, and, and that, I think what that will also do is that will then they, they're more apt to pick up the phone on the next time that you call them. Because if every single time you call them, you're asking for business or asking, are oh, you ready to move or whatever? They're probably going to stop picking up because they'll be like, this guy just wants my business, right? This lady just wants there's, my business. There's nothing else to talk about. And then the next time you call them, maybe you add something of value. Hey, I saw your neighborhood has jumped up in value like 12% in the last 
in the last 12 months. My uh, realtor colleague friend, she could send you a you know real estate review if, if you're interested at all. Then you're pulling the realtor back in, right? Yeah, There's yeah, no branding. fee. She does that for your neighborhood. I'd, I'll call her and ask her to send you one. And then now bringing more value. Everybody wants to know what's my house worth, right? Like, did I make some money? You know, am I, is it appreciating? If you have some home tips, like I used to send out, you know, a little note or call people, remember the time's changing. Don't forget to change your batteries and your, you know, smoke detector. That's a reason to call people. Right. Pick up the phone. Just wanted to remind you, I care about you. Don't forget to change your batteries and your smoke detector next weekend. Pick up the phone. I mean, you just said it right there. Pick just, up the phone. And it's free, right? We're not spending any money to pick up the phone that you're not already spending money. It's not marketing. Yeah. It's about caring about people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And thank you so much. Cause I, I think that really does give us a lot of ideas. One, how can we go out and, and give more value as loan officers? Can we give more value to real estate agents? Um, I think my biggest takeaways is just, you know, listen to what your real estate agent is telling you. Uh, bring something that's different from the traditional pitch, right? And what it actually sounds like is people aren't calling enough, so call. I mean, it sounds like, you know, Danette's not getting enough calls. So guys, you know, call, <laughs> call her. No, just kidding. But seriously, loan like, limits are. I'm out of the loop, yeah, right? Yeah. Tell her about jumbo loans. Tell her about the loan limits, you know, something like that. But thank you so much for being here, Danette. It's been a pleasure having you. And just again, for loan officers that are listening, go out there, Give more value to your real estate agent partners. I guarantee you're going to get more business that way than if you call and just talk about your job description. So have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans On Demand podcast.